0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, the only podcast brave enough to put public interest ahead of the democratic will of the people. On Twitter, 67% of you voted to keep the podcast sweary, but we value our younger listeners too much, and as a parent I know some of you out there listen with little ones running around, so after last week's little experiment, we'll be returning to our usual practice of no swearing in the podcast, and no Ian, you can't move a motion to extend... uh, (laughs) Article 50 on swearing in this podcast. Um,
1: Surely it's Article
0: 69. (laughs) I will allow it. Yeah, boy. I am Cammy Black. It's an
1: excellent adventure, it's fine.
0: (laughs) I am Cammy Black. As you can hear, I am joined by Ian Hay. Uh,
1: PG Ratings, hello, everyone.
0: Um, And Rory Baldwin. Hello. Are you both okay, gents?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Not bad. I was at the dentist today, but it was fine.
0: Dude, I've just been a, I've sk- I've had builders and plasters and so I've been engaging in banter. I've got all my swearing oh. out of the way.
1: Oh I hope you had plenty of biscuits.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've kept them well fed in biscuits and then occasionally but every once in a while I just popped up and had some some banter with them. <laughs> Top bans. <laughs> um anyway, um we uh you can get in touch with us. We should always tell you how to get in touch with us. Um that's how we always open this. And you already know you can get in touch with us on Twitter. Scott Rugby Blog or at Cami Black. Uh, email us podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk or visit the blog scottishrugbyblog.co.uk where you can get the latest news, views, and other bits and bobs, and join in with the comments and healthy debate. It seems to be getting healthier anyway. Um, we seem to have managed to moderate things somewhat. Um, we'll start with some news tonight. We've not we've had no crap call offs this week, uh, but news this week. Uh, Murray Douglas. It, as revealed exclusively on this podcast a couple of months ago, Murray Douglas is joining Embra on a short-term deal as cover over the World Cup. Uh, he plays for the Brumbies in Super Rugby and he's going to play over the Super Rugby break. Good news for Edinburgh, Rory?
2: Yeah, I think, well, I mean, given that the uh, Cockerel's picked a fair chunk of the Edinburgh pack uh, in this, uh, not Cockerel, sorry, Tooney, has picked a fair chunk of the Edinburgh pack in the Scotland team for this weekend, um, which obviously we'll talk about later, I'm sure, um, yeah, Cocker's is going to need you know all the cover he, he can get if if that sort of trend continues, um, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they tried to try to get him over for a bit longer, but I think this this would work out pretty well for for the player and and for the club. And you never know; it might it might lead to something more permanent. We've seen that sort of thing happen before.
0: How do you do you think you're going to be well covered at Glasgow then, Ian? Do you want is that something you'd like to see Glasgow doing?
1: Well, realistically, you know, there's going to be what four, or five locks in the, um, well, probably four specialist locks, and maybe someone like a Rob Harley-like character, Sam Skinner, for example, he can do back row and lock. Um, so you're probably be looking at Gilchrist, Tillis, um, Johnny Gray, and well, hopefully if he stays injury-free, Richie Gray. So I think Scotland, uh, Glasgow, sorry, would still be reasonably well covered for likes of Cummings. Um, I, I don't think he's he's going to make that cut there. Um, Swinson, I very much doubt he's going to make the cut either So, and Rob Harley, like I said, you know he can do the the Sam Skinner job but he's not as good as Sam Skinner so you know, I think we'd be reasonably well covered
0: um, The other news today um, was the flutter of announcements um, as teams added players to the next round of the European fixture squads um, there's a couple of interesting names popped up um, in terms of the Scottish teams there's John Barkley, Mark Bennett back for Edinburgh and then Sander Ferguson, Callum Gibbons, and Kyle Stain for Glasgow. Um, Ian, Kyle Stain. It's it's a sort of a name that might have caught people by surprise this week with him being added to the Scotland squad. But he's he's turned up for Glasgow recently and done quite well.
1: Yeah, he to have been you know, fast tracked, a shock Blake style. Um, <laughs> so you know he's uh, you know he's had a few performances at sevens. Then uh, his first game for Glasgow that game that uh, fantastic match against Cardiff. He made a couple of clangers, but he's you know, he's shown he's pretty big and powerful and, um, you know, it wasn't so long ago that George Turner, who'd barely played for Edinburgh, got parachuted into the Scotland squad and he's turned out not too bad. So, uh, we'll see how he goes.
0: Yeah, and then elsewhere, Rory, uh, Cornel Dupree um, seems to be back because Worcester have named him in the squad but the, the surprise, I think, that caught everyone out was Sam Hildago Klein <laughs> being named for Harlequins.
2: Yeah, um, I guess it's, uh, some, I hadn't seen that, seen any, of, uh, any news of that reported, so um, yeah, uh, interesting. I mean, he's yeah, he's not been getting many starts at uh, at uh, at the Scarlets. I think possibly Quinns had had signed some cover at scrum Huff, but um, I think it was Rugby Pass. There was an article there that said um, that the the guy that they signed his cover, who I believe was a Baldwin, um, <laughs> much like myself, um, Alex think- Baldwin yeah possibly. I think he was he was possible ah, would it look something like that um anyway uh, he was already cup tied so he wasn't going to be any use to them in europe um so obviously they've they've taken Sam on on I can imagine that uh, loan until the end of, end of the season um I'm sure if the scarlets have any injury issues themselves they'll probably probably pull him back but uh, yeah it'd be good for him I mean it, it, I guess it, it may be Guarantees him some game time in Europe, if nothing else. Um, it
0: was last I heard, he was playing um, regional rugby in Wales because I think they must have a similar setup at the Scarlets, Glasgow, and Edinburgh, where he, he was playing for whatever region he was assigned to last last year in January.
2: Yeah, so a wee, wee bit of a step backwards from uh, from what he was saying, uh, especially. I mean, when you look at the, the rugby pass article, it's like. Uh, Harlequins have signed an international Scottish scrum off <laughs> ask, ask him what, ask him where he was playing last week. Um, but yeah, I think I think it I think it can only be a, can only be a good a good thing for him.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's that old clickbait thing that Rugby passed do, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, there was
2: a, there was some other some other news that I found, uh, yeah. which was I'm just trying to find it and I can't find it anymore. Was the news of uh, another Fijian coming to Edinburgh possibly? Um, a Fijian Sevens player, no less. Um, it was on the Edinburgh's, Edinburgh Rugby Supporters Club, and his name is Mesulami Kunavula, who is a forward in the Sevens game. Not sure what position he would play in Fifteens, but apparently um, he's been given time off from the Sevens to travel to Scotland and sort out visas and things, so that sounds like that's pretty far, far gone. Somebody on Twitter had said that they'd heard his name connected with Glasgow, so it could be um could just be shoddy journalism or it could be um
0: the Fiji could be, Sun could be that he's changed, changed. the Fiji yeah. Sun which i don't know if is related to the actual sun um it's very hard to tell i don't think it is um you so, mean does Rupert Murdoch own it yeah mm. um doubtful i think it's probably owned by um whoever who's them they've got it's not dictator as such but i think the, ar- things, the army yes the, the army <laughs> I think things are I think politically very shady and um no no less shady than this country at the minute of course, but um yeah. <laughs> um yeah, um Gareth Barber the head coach has said he's sorting out his contract and visa with Scotland's Edinburgh rugby. So oh yeah and, and um oh Glasgow Warriors have expressed their interest in Fiji 7's captain Kaleoni Nasoko.
1: Yes, yeah. See, I was just I'd heard this um recently, uh, well. A couple of weeks ago, it was at the captain who'd get done for drink driving somewhere. Um, and then I read an article, he'd been linked with Glasgow along with another Fiji 7s player. And just as I've been looking it up, um, there's a new article about what you're just mentioning there.
0: Okay, I think uh, drink would fit right in in, the, also, in, Glasgow, uh, in Glasgow, drink driving.
1: Uh, not with the uh, lower um, drink driving rate in Scotland.
0: Zero. zero.
1: Yes, zero solves. Um, Oh yes, uh, Lewis Wynn, um Lewis Win has uh, completed, he's on loan at London Scottish from Glasgow Warriors just now. He's away permanently for next season, so good luck to him. He's uh, presumably to fill the Richie Vernon hole that London Scottish have.
2: <laughs> well, no yeah. one can fill that hole, surely. No. Unless he was playing centre, I don't know where he was playing down there.
0: That was the other, of course, the other big news this week, that, that Richie, he plays where he wants to, Vernon has has hung up his boots and is retiring at the end of the season. Um, kind of, we were almost on the verge of him getting called up. Surely, the way that injuries are going with the Scotland setup. Well,
1: outside say centre options, especially, are limited. Um, yeah. But uh, was he injured again? <laughs> it was probably most likely. But uh, you know what? What you know when he was actually able to play, he was a fantastic player. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. and and former and chorus, I, former correspondent of the blog Rory.
1: In- yeah, I actually I, I'd. Um,
2: I just I had a quick look, quick look over and over the posts that he'd done today. Um, he did uh, he did a, a few um, sort of tour diaries from uh, from a Scotland Scotland summer tour and uh, from the World Cup in 2011, which I think are um, good pal Alan Dimmick uh, arranged because I think they knew each other from from Dundee or uh, Dundee origins, um, and they'd come up through age grades together or something. I think. So uh, yeah, so um, that was yeah. So he'd he'd given us some some inside information. Um, there are actually a few. I was looking back through. If you go onto, there's a link at the bottom of the blog, the archives page, and you can see all the people that have written for the site. And if you, you go through there, you might find a few few familiar names. There's a few uh, from Pete Horn when he was on the Sevens tour, and Colin Gregor was Colin Gregor's are probably the uh, the best value Seven Sevens. Uh,
1: Seven Diaries, You probably wouldn't get away with that these days.
0: <laughs> Just
1: when uh, when you said Dundee origins, there I started thinking of a prequel that's probably going to get made in Hollywood. Yeah, Crocodile
0: Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> I would pay to make a movie with Richie Vernon as set, Crocodile set, Dundee.
2: Set in actual, set in actual Dundee.
0: Yeah. <laughs> really, Crocodiles of the tea. <laughs> Alan, Alan Dimmock and Richie Vernon in a buddy cop movie.
2: there we go. There we go.
0: All sorted. Um, The other news today uh, that's come out is after last week's uh, leak of details of the new Rugby World League of Nations Cup Trophy Shield World Rugby uh, have announced a vision for a new Nations Championship. Now, apparently this is in consultation with stakeholders, and I'll read the press release. It says... World Rugby outlined its vision for the future of international rugby, including the proposed nation's championship concept and supporting business model during a meeting with international rugby's major stakeholders in Dublin on Thursday. Um, At the meeting of unions, competition owners and international player representatives, World Rugby outlined details of a game-changing competition model that delivers a true pathway for all unions through a three-division format and a system of promotion and relegation. The proposed format would be underpinned by record commercial partnership with a leading global sports marketing company in front. That's, that's actually a name of a company, um, guaranteeing almost $5 billion for investment in the sport over an initial 12-year period, which probably if you divide that, that's not that's not actually that much, um, of which more than 1.5 billion is guaranteed incremental revenue for the world game. The proposed business model covers both media and marketing rights but does not include any of the sale of equity in the competition and therefore full control of the competition and its revenue redistribution model will be retained by the unions and the current major competitions and world rugby. Um, essentially... Um, And I think we should have a chat about this for a minute because the longer we talk about anything else, we don't have to talk about the Wales game and the Calcutta Cup. Um, Essentially, they did a little explainer video and it's worth looking out on Twitter. So essentially, the Six Nations stays as is. The rugby championship in the Southern Hemisphere gains two additional teams, which would currently be Fiji and Japan. The video talks about it being the top 12 teams in the Northern and Southern Hemisphere conveniently sidestepping the fact that Georgia are ranked two places higher than Italy at the Minish. Um, So you would get the Six Nations and the Rugby Championship at some point. You then have the Summer and Autumn Tours and during the Summer and Autumn Tours, every from the North plays everyone from the South at home or away at some point and presumably those fixtures are then reversed the following year. However however, in Lions years and World Rugby World Cup years, the promotion and suspension promotion and relegation is suspended. It's not entirely clear what happens to the North, the Southern Hemisphere team that is doing the tests against the Lions, because presumably it's either South Africa, Australia or New Zealand and how their games fit in with this nation's championship. And then relegation and promotion is sorted out through playoffs between the bottom teams in the Six Nations Rugby Championships and the Nations Championship and the top teams in the tiers below, which is essentially sort of Georgia, Romania and Germany and the likes, and then USA, uh, Samoa, Tonga, people like that in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, it's I mean, it's one game less than they previously proposed Rory. is. It, it does it make more sense than what was previously reported? Does it make sense at all
2: it It makes more sense than what was previously reported. I would say, but I still don't think that it makes a massive amount of sense overall. I can see why they want to do it. I don't know where this five billion number that they're gonna get a marketing company to generate, presumably by selling things to selling things to people um on their behalf
0: like the, like like we talked about last week the pro fourteen t shirts
2: yeah, if you if you if you sell five million t-shirts at a thousand pounds each, you'd probably be you'd probably oh, be be sorted for the revenue. They'd meet their revenue targets. I mean, five billion by my admittedly fairly sh- shonky maths uh, would be divided by twelve would be about four hundred and sixteen million each for each union if that is indeed the way, but I presume they will split it with the, the lower, the lower 12 who are competing to get into the, the upper 12.
0: And then it's over, um, it's also over 12 years as well. So if you divide it again yeah. by 12 and then, yeah, it's probably so, not. a lot. I mean, it's,
2: it's a big pile of cash, but I mean, I'm going to come at this from a strange angle, but actually from the point of view of the environment, it's an awful lot of one-off games in loads of disparate locations. Mm. Um, I think that they should be trying to focus things. I know that uh, that you know three map three test tours and things like that don't particularly do much for the um for bringing you know bringing the tier two countries into it but is it is it really gonna there's gonna be an awful i mean each one off test will i guess have meaning because it goes towards a larger thing, but in terms of I mean, the Six Nations will still be the Six Nations, except there'll be promotion and relegation. So, actually, it might even take on more meaning because there's less, um, less uh, kind of, um, what's the word? Security. Yeah, there's less security. Um, but then, of course, there's that whole thing about why the Pro 14 is so fun to watch is because there's no relegation. So, does that mean the Six Nations is just going to tighten up and become like watching the... Um, you know, the premiership every week.
0: Yeah. Cause you think, I mean, France, it was only you know, five years ago that France were bought 2013. France got the wooden spoon. Um, so I mean, England haven't had it since 1987, but what they were, they were fifth last year. Yes. So it's not inconceivable that the, that you could have a freak year where one, uh, one of the larger teams, and I don't include Scotland in that because, you know, that we're being realistic. Um, <laughs> But it's it's not inconceivable that an England or an Ireland or a France in a bad year could be at risk of, of ending up there. But yeah, I,
1: they'd get they a the playoff but s- yeah. they'd, they'd have to be so repeatedly dreadful that to, um, to lose the playoff particularly. Yeah.
2: I
0: suppose yeah, it's it's based on the points after the rugby championship, isn't it? After the national after you've played all your summer and all your autumn tours and then you've still got a playoff after that. It's- yeah, well,
1: you know, they're just going to a grand final because uh, they. I think initially they were talking about a semi. Like, yeah,
2: there was
1: a. we have going to go to a semi and then the grand final, but uh, now that Big Uncle Bill has kicked Pesho off the grill, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just bit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I can. I kind of see how it. I mean, you can see how it would benefit in the some of the Southern Hemisphere because they're going. They're going to be forced to pull in to what are essentially Tier 2 nations in Fiji and Japan. So I see how that benefits in the Southern Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere. I don't necessarily see what the benefits are to Georgia and the like because they were just starting to get test matches against, well, we played them, didn't we? And they have they had a game against, they have a game against England-Georgia? They played, no, they they just, played Ireland, didn't they, they? They played Ireland not too long ago. So they just seemed they, to be... They, yeah, they played Ireland, didn't well, they?
1: they? played they played Wales. Um, and, oh, yeah, because uh, they ended up having to go to uncontested scrums. Um, so I, think, uh, I think Thomas Francis had already gone off injured and then That's the right. replacement tight head got yellow carded. Uh, I'm not sure I've got the names right there, but it was that kind of scenario happened. Um, sort of like when France had a uh, HIA for a knee injury. <laughs> during that ridiculous match, um, no. But Georgia were uh, they were scrum practicing with England recently, and then they and got in a fight, was, didn't they? Got in a fight, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, they just—I mean, they, you know—they're just starting to get test matches against. Um, yeah, Wales beat them thirteen six, didn't they, in twenty seventeen? So they're just starting to get test matches, and then all of a sudden, that's been taken away from them. So I'd, I'm not entirely sure it solves the problem in the Northern Hemisphere. No.
1: And also, it is like the whole plan is assuming on the Six Nations accepting that because there is going to have to be relegation. Because uh, they were saying that points from the Six Nations go forwards into the sort of conference section. So there's going to have to be relegation from the Six Nations. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they've, they've, they've just recently just said that that's not going to happen. So I think uh, we're, we're maybe
0: jumping ahead of the game here. Yeah, cuz the other side of it of course is that when you look at it all six nations are shareholders in Six Nations Rugby Limited because it's a limited company. So it so yeah. it's all very well telling someone that they're relegated but whether or not that they're then willing to be relegated from their own competition that they own. Yeah. It's not entirely clear how that works.
1: And then the other pro- if that was to be the case well, I was thinking about when seeing this. Uh, you know, if they just say okay, then then Georgia get to carry through their points from Division Two. They're obviously going to rack up loads of points because they just tend to pummel every other team in their division. Yeah. So that gives them some kind of unfair advantage, unless you do some kind of sort of coefficient thing, which then makes it even more complicated than it already is.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, is it worth is it worthwhile them have it, them being comfortably the the top team? In the, in the sort of in the second bracket, effectively the tier, tier two bracket, but yet they're actually probably going to get the chance in the playoffs. Would be their would be their only chance to try and get up to the next thing. Whereas actually, with the current schedule flaws as it has, at least they're getting sort of two three November tests. They're getting summer t- tests um, against the likes of Italy and things like that. They are you know they're getting more matches. Whereas it seems to me that the playoffs is almost kind of it would it would restrict them a bit more. And then it would almost be like the the kind of... You know, you wouldn't have to go and play odd games against Romania or teams like that if they weren't in... The, because the November things would only... Would be you fulfilling your, your fixtures against the, the other conference, effectively. The, you know, whoever make... The Fiji and Japan who are in the, the top level.
0: Yeah. And then the other side, at the other end, you've then got this 12th match for the top two teams. So that's then... Presumably we have got likes of maybe last year it would have been would Ireland, Ireland and New Zealand presumably, or something yeah. like that. And then logistically you can't just decide that the week before. So they're gonna to have to presumably alternate that between Northern and Southern Hemisphere for the final and sort of a bit like they would do with the Pro fourteen and say at the start of the season, well the final this year is gonna be in Auckland or it's gonna be in London or it's gonna be in Edinburgh. And country sure bid that. for it.
2: Yeah, I'm sure they said the final was just always going to be in the North.
0: Did they? I can't imagine. I can't imagine the South. I've seen that somewhere. It doesn't doesn't seem very fair, does it? No, it doesn't seem fair at all, because the whole thing that the Southern Hemisphere teams are struggling with is the tendencies at international matches. So you would have thought alternating it between North and South each year, although like you said, Rory, environmentally, that's not necessarily...
2: Yeah, I mean, if they if they if they all come up here for November and then in December they've got to go all go back and a team from up here is going to go back down there for a one-off game. I don't know if that would. That's presumably where they were coming from with
0: yeah. that.
2: and and it also makes a complete mockery of the World Cup as well, which is obviously the competition that you have to decide who is the best team in the world. Um, why do we need to decide that every year? That's what rankings are for.
0: Yeah, exactly, and that's the the whole idea of a test is that you could get a one-off freak result like we nearly pulled off against New Zealand. And that's, yeah. you know, that's exciting, but it doesn't have to... Somehow that would be rendered... It, say we'd had a bad Six Nations that year, and then in the autumn we beat... And then a, a mixed summer, and but then we beat New Zealand in the autumn. Somehow that, that gets tainted if you then sort of end up mid-table in, in a Nations Champ... In this national championship, what are they calling it? The Nation of Champions, or whatever it's going to be called. It doesn't seem... Uh, it sort of then makes the it sort of diminishes the idea of tests somehow, and that uh, you know your one-off wins that we and that's something that Scotland do. We get these one-off wins against countries like Australia and well, we haven't done against New Zealand yet, but we mm. would we were almost there. Somehow, then if that just sort of you get a couple of points and you end up fifth.
1: However, though, see if we're if this League of Nations if we're guaranteed a shot at New Zealand once a year. Yeah. then by the law of averages we might eventually win <laughs> <laughs> before we would normally
0: that's very true I suppose that's the other side of it is that we get to play whether that's a good or a bad thing remains to be seen but we we do I suppose get as one of the smaller nations we get to sit at the top table more regularly
2: we also get chances to get beaten by the USA and Japan more regularly as well that's, that's, well, that's worth true,
1: being yes. in mind yeah. you got to take the rough it was smooth
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> I suppose as well, in the, although it was heading this way with that, the sort of a season they'd, they'd sort of agreed before this, where we almost were getting more of a chance to go and do tours against, they'd almost agreed tours with New Zealand and Scotland um, going forward anyway, but now in the summer, I suppose, we're not going to have to go off and tour Canada and the USA because no one else will have us.
2: Yeah, no, you'll have to do it because you'll have to fulfil your fixture against the USA and, you know, you do a game in and- japan and game in the usa and a game against new zealand or someone
0: yeah um the other big concern people have got about this and there's a bit, a bit of news today has come out the rumor that that cvc who seem to be trying to buy all of rugby um, <laughs> are, are, are proposing to buy a 30 percent stake in the six nations which i don't understand how these things work i don't understand how you can buy buy a stake in a tournament um but they're, they're apparently going to buy a stake in the six nations for 500 million pounds and I don't know, like we were saying last week, Ian on the pod, um tout it round whether that means they're gonna then sell it internationally as a as a concept, um, or whether or not then Six Nations goes paid off the council telly. I mean what 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 do you I mean is it is that a worry for you if it goes off the council telly, Ian?
1: Um well I think it certainly would be an issue because it's um potentially cutting viewing figures. Uh mate, Touch on this later on. My hands in the rock, um, but what I've seen recently, you know, uh, you know, CVC—they've bought into Premiership. They bought Formula One uh, rights. They've kind of got the same kind of deal that they're proposing with Formula One, and a lot of Formula One fans don't seem to be happy with it. Um, you know, it's not like there's not enough money in Formula One right now, but uh, they seem to be trying to go- look for more and more. But that is one of the issues that we're rugby are having at the moment, um, and. You know, even the individual nations like Wales have, as we heard in depth last week. Um, you know, Wru are struggling to maintain their own sort uh, of financial interests. So, you know, between this alleged five billion that's been mooted by World Rugby for the League of Nations and CBC money, who, who knows what the best deal is? Um, I mean, I mean is
0: what it- is the yeah, I was going to say, Rory is, is is this is there a sort of an element of sort of taking the heart out of rugby in in sort of clamoring for money? I mean, you know, rugby, past rugby, just needs to play within its means a little bit um, rather than than chasing big dollars elsewhere. And and there is something to be said for keeping it on terrestrial. You know, the 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 TV rights certainly within the United Kingdom on on terrestrial telly.
2: Yeah, it's still a huge draw um, for, you know, for the, the the ratings that they're getting for the um, for the Six Nations games at the moment. I think have been have been pretty good. I mean, obviously, it's nowhere near, you know, the likes that watch um, the World Cup final or Strictly Come Dancing final or you know another <laughs> another such sporting feast. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it's definitely something that pe- people still watch. It's the one bit of rugby that people who don't usually watch rugby will watch. And while there's people that have problems with that sometimes, um, it's that's that's the avenue that most people, certainly myself, um, that's how you get interested in the in the game as a as a youngster is watching watching the watching your country. Um, I mean, it might be in the future where we're all living in, I don't know, caves underground or pods under the sea or something that everybody has. You know, only accesses tele through streaming services. Anyway, there was a lot of uh, talk that maybe Amazon might be somewhere that the rugby might end up as a means of getting more Amazon Prime subscriptions out of the world, um, because they have a fairly unlimited budget. Um, so it could, yeah, it might not be that it goes to Sky or BT. It might be someone else that we don't know
1: about yet that comes in and and wants to to take that on. And um, D, what's that called? That DAZN. They've, yeah. uh, you know, they're splashing it on the boxing at the moment. Yeah, so I mean, it could be, it could be something like like that. Um, the, I guess,
2: the risk is that it goes on there and then people kind of forget about it for a bit. Whoever's bought it loses interest because they're not getting the ratings, and they have to ship it on. I mean, we've seen that with the amount of stuff that Sky hoovered up back in the early days. and Now they've, you know, lost quite a lot of their rugby and and other sports. Um, it's yeah, it's a it's a tricky one. I think it should stay stay free to air if possible. Yeah, but I think the Rugby World Cup is the only rugby game fixture that that's sort of one of the the crown jewels as they call them. Yeah, I think it's just the final. That's yeah, like, the final. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's only the final. I think it's the Six Nations and the Rugby World Cup are on. It's like a second tier list. That means they have to be offered to terrestrial broadcasters first. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be then accepted given, to them. given yeah. to them yeah so that we we've i've um i think after um graham love had sort of started a little thing on twitter we've we've submitted a petition to parliament because it is it's one of those things you can do because it it relates to legislation so there's a there is a, a petition has been put to parliament to debate it um but it needs enough signatures it hasn't been agreed yet i think there, there are bigger things that parliament are dealing with at the minish can think what those would be, <laughs> um, so that's hopefully that if, if you keep an eye on our social media, that that should be through in the next few days. And
1: oh, but you know, I think I think that definitely is a it's a very worthwhile thing to do because I mean the six the Six Nations is massively important. You know, like Rory was saying, the, the viewing figures are huge, the attendance is, It's is it's not like sort of the most percentage wise, the most sort of highest capacity attendance event of anything that goes on annually in the world mm-hmm. um, even when I was in New Zealand right there was a Welsh bar at the bottom of uh, Courtney Parade it's called the Dragon Bar and um, you know their license licensed up till 4am but when the Six Nations games were on one of them didn't finish until half six but they got an extended license because it was a culturally significant event <laughs> you know, that's that's how much rugby means in New Zealand and they're like hey, you know what the Welsh aren't in the rugby that much as well so yeah, this Welsh barkey gets a two hour licence extension just because the rugby's on. It's,
0: yeah, I think you're right because I think there is something about it. And also, it's, you know, the RFU, the WRU, and the SRU all receive fairly hefty amounts of money from government every year for grassroots and other bits and bobs. So I think, in terms of a sort of paying it back sort of thing, I, I think. Six Nations needs to remain in the on terrestrial telly. I mean, it, you know if if there's an argument to be said that it, it it's not that that it, that someone else can come and pay and, and broadcast it live, so long as then there's protection that says, well, on a whatever you know, a, a delay that when once the final whistle's gone, terrestrial TV can then broadcast the game in its entirety. I don't think that would yeah, have or, much of an impact.
1: Yeah, or put it on a streaming service because you know with the the advancement we have now in modern telly, you know, not like in my day when we just had the four channels. Um, you know, you can like you said, you know, if you just delay the playback on a terrestrial channel on the iPlayer, or ITV player. Um, you know, it means everyone gets to watch it you just need to dingy social media for a couple of hours. Yeah, and BT, I mean even even the
0: game. even um I mean during the autumn a couple of years back, I mean BT had the Scottish internationals on their free channel. So there's nothing to stop a broadcast mm. like BT coming in, but so long as the stipulation is that it has to go on the Freeview channel rather than behind a paywall. Anyway, that's enough of that. I don't, yeah, every, everyone gets. What were you saying? No, every, I was just going to say
1: everyone gets a slice of the pie and uh, everyone gets to watch it, you exactly. know, if they want to. As long as we pedal the product properly.
0: Yeah, there's no reason everyone why. Wants no reason why it has to go one of the you know there's more than four channels these days you know even premier, premier sports have got go free sports yeah. with the speedway um, <laughs> a quick, or the
1: uh, Swedish ice
0: hockey <laughs> a quick quiz for you both um, overall um, in the six nations I was just looking this up just for the the promotion and the relegation thing Did I, I, anyone wanted to hazard a guess overall since since the four five six nations started who has won the most wooden spoons? Ireland you, did you know that already, Ian? Yes, I did, too,
1: yeah. <laughs> Ireland good, I'm going to uh, guess Ireland. Good, good, <laughs> guessing, Ireland's good guess, 27, it. Scotland's around 25,
0: isn't it? Uh, Ireland, 29. So still four to oh. catch up. But they do. Go on then. When was their last one then, Ian? When was Ireland's last wooden spoon?
1: Oh, uh, I'm going to guess late 90s.
0: 97. Rory, do you want any advance on 97?
1: 97. Uh, um Two
2: thousand and... Have you Googled it? Zero,
0: no. Two thousand and zero. 2000. Uh, no uh No, 1998. Close. I think, Rory, you're Aww. the... You, well, yeah. Ian's closest. Um,
2: yeah. the, the only reason I was guessing that was because I was reading about Warren Gatlin's time in Charge of Wales and there was people getting sacked and I <laughs> thought maybe there was some... In fact, he got sacked. There was some... Yeah. I just thought maybe there was some of that going on.
0: Um, Scotland's last wooden spoon?
2: 2015. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Vern Carter Whitewash wasn't
0: it yeah it yep. was Yeah, um, England's I've already said this earlier in the podcast England's last wooden spoon
2: I can't remember what you said
1: uh, 87
0: 87's right yep um, oh, sorry <laughs> Wales last wooden spoon for Wales 2003
1: Ooh.
0: yeah are you googling this Ian
1: no,
2: no. <laughs> tell, you, tell you what I've I've googled I've googled the, the Welsh Dragon Bar in Wellington which seems to be a pub in the middle of, between the two lanes of a dual carriageway. Yes,
1: it is, yeah. Right and the Central end. Reservation. Yeah, at the end of Courtney Parade, I can't remember the street along that goes across it, the... but there's the base hostel and there's a, not um, quick and safe, another supermarket. Can't yeah, remember the name. I'm even. trying to work out if I drove past it, but I don't think I did. I
0: don't, I don't know.
1: know. I, I mean, when I went to Wellington, like, I went there for Scotland, Argentina game. then when I went back a couple of weeks later, the first thing I did was hit that supermarket because I'd seen cans of iron brew. <laughs> um, I don't so think you should get,
0: get anything more Welsh than a pub sandwich between two lanes of a dual carriageway.
2: Yeah, as, as a piece of architecture, it looks a little bit like some somebody presumably Welsh has, or somebody alien has crash landed a ship from Star Wars <laughs> in the middle of a, a dual carriageway, and then a bunch of Welsh people have just stuck flags on it <laughs> and funny. pictures of dragons.
0: And um, speaking yeah. of whales, then, uh as yes. good a chance as oh, any. Let's let's talk possibly. about the weekend's game very briefly. Um, Let's start with a nice positive. Um, Hamish Watson.
2: Six top top one number of defenders beaten in the Six Nations off 20 minutes. 22
1: minutes, six in the rankings for defenders beaten. That's uh, pretty impressive.
0: 35 metres, beat 10 defenders. The whole Wales (laughs) team beat 15 defenders in the whole game.
2: (laughs) So another moral victory then. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah i think i mean it, they were even talking about giving him man of the match at one point I considered
2: it, it for if, a while. If, yeah if, i mean if he'd uh if he'd somehow engineered a scotland win it, he definitely would have been man of the match but, yeah. uh, sadly it was not to be i don't understand like, what- i'd
1: even forgotten about the first run until this the second one where he like when he sat down dan bigger that's the one that stuck in my mind but then you know you go twitter and the it's actually, his first run, mm. but he's also bounced off another four players, is the one that everyone's going on about. But I, I thought the second one was better, just because he sat down bigger on his ass.
0: Yeah, and then there was the other. I mean, the 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 other one to to talk about in terms of breaks was was Alan Dell's rampage. That was, remarkable. Yeah. but then but then absolute the uh, absolute classic prop panic of I'm in open space. I've been running for a long time now. When will this end? <laughs> sort of ending to it. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, overall, I think if you, sort of in the cold light of day, Ian was was that as bad as people made out for Scotland?
1: Well, do you know what? It was just a classic what we've come to expect of Scotland. That basically mm. every sport ever performs, um, it's a could have, should have, would have, possibly, might have, but didn't. Um, you know, we've seen it time and time again. There was just a apart from Finn's moment of genius with the passing side to McGuigan, Uh was just, you know, the same old failures we always see. And, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not massively disheartened by what we've ha- what's happened to the Six Nations because it's a remarkably tight competition. You know, we're talking about, you know, what, Ireland is the second best team in the world, Wales the third best team in the world. England are, what are they, fifth? Even though England were only, not even 18 months ago, the second best team in the world and closing in on the number one ranked All Blacks, it's a remarkably hard competition, it's stupidly difficult and we are, you know, sometimes, a lot of time we punch above our weight to be honest Um, and we've had so many injury problems that it's not gone as well as we might have hoped.
0: Yeah, I mean it says something about Scotland's death doesn't it, Rory? It's it's a difficult one because on the one hand you, you don't want to blame injuries, but on the, uh, on the other hand it's unusual for a, an international team to lose almost their entire backline in the, in the you know, in the, the the course of one game.
2: Yeah, um it's a it, I mean it is a it's a strange one. Um I think it maybe goes back to questions that we've sort of asked in in the past about whether our players are able to cope with the physicality of teams playing at the very top level and usually that manifests itself in you know getting a a kicking in the scrum or um, you know not being able to break the line but actually the number of injuries could you know maybe that's got something to do with it as well Um, and it is we've we've managed to keep our first choice front row Um, in fact we've probably discovered our first choice front row because I think Alan Dell's probably been one of the, one of the players who's em- emerging from this, uh, from this tournament in a bit of credit. Um, the scrum hasn't been, hasn't been too bad. And, you know, he, he shows up pretty well in the loose, um, which I think is probably what, uh, Tenzin's looking for from his props. Um, so, you know, we've, we've done that. We've shuffled the second row, but we're still not quite sure. We've got another combination this weekend. Um, we're still maybe not getting the best out of Johnny Gray, in certain in certainly in respect of ball carrying. But yeah, I mean we're far from we don't even know what our first choice back row is, even if everybody was fit. But we haven't really had a chance to find that out. Um, and yeah, it's pretty well documented the number of, the number of injuries we've got. That kind of that kind of it probably follows on because because we've got we've got certain guys who are above. Others, um, in terms of their level, you know, the young guys come in to train with the squad, but they're probably knowing they're not really going to get they're not going to get picked. You know, it's fairly obvious what the team's going to be based on who's who's not injured. Um, so the likes of Kyle Stein will come up and train with the squad, but you know, even despite the Tuni Tombola being what it is, we, there wasn't really any thought that he would you know he would be starting against England. Um, and maybe that need to have the top guys always you know always training. Um, whereas if you've got you've got the genuine contenders for those positions fit, a that spurs on the guy who's starting to you know to higher levels in training and and, and the game, um, but also gives you the gives you the opportunity to rest players as well, and and so they're not. I mean, I don't think we've seen the best of McAnally in this tournament um, because he's just he's looked a wee bit looked a bit tired, but he's been he's been at it for you know for Edinburgh. As well, and he's had to play an awful lot of the, you know, the previous. If you think about the previous Scotland games, um, going back to last year and stuff, because Fraser Brown wasn't, uh, you know, because he was injured, there wasn't really a backup. So McInally was playing an awful lot of eighty-minute international tests, um, and that's going to take take its toll. Eventually, doesn't, you know, no matter how many kind of two-week holidays in Dubai you take, you're still (laughs) over the over the course of uh, over the course of it. It's going to it's going to take its toll.
0: uh, we will talk briefly then, Ian, about um an Ali Price, the Ali Price, Greek Laidlaw conundrum. Um, you know we we sort of seem to have that solved. Maybe last Six Nations and you know laid seemed to be the the first choice, and Ali Price dropped off on form. But then, almost got the reverse this year with you know Ali Price putting put, put a, a reasonable performance against Wales. He's almost almost kind of felt he was unlucky to be shifted to the wing in a way. Are you there, is
2: Ian? he? Is he in? fact,
1: there. Sorry, yeah. i would hit mute on my uh, my headset. Back. <laughs> is, is
0: that because you couldn't bear to answer that, that question? <laughs> <as well? laughs> Not
1: all, no, I'm more than happy to answer it. I think I'd even started speaking before you started going. Is he in there? Um, well, been I mean, the uh, the Wales game was a bit of a disaster for Ali Price last season, and then it's it definitely bled into his Glasgow performances. Um, he was a shadow of the man he was, really, to be honest. Um, but no, he's, he's played pretty well for Glasgow this year, obviously. Uh, we all know who my preferred number nine for the Warriors <laughs> is. <laughs> and I'm going to make that nickname stick. Um, no, but I mean, even I've seen some people say Price wasn't that great last week, but I, I definitely noticed a difference in a, a speed-up in the recycling of ball in the first half... Uh, I actually thought he played pretty well um, until that stupid, no arms. Uh, sorry, um, tackle off the ball on was it Anscombe? Yeah, yeah, that was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. When, when he'd been shifted out to the wing.
0: Yeah, I um, think you can not hold player. it against him. I, what what I was impressed with was his communication with the referee. Although he wasn't captain, he when because a number of player Welsh players just. Lying in the rock, making the no rod attempt, rod making no attempt at all to roll away from the tackle or get get out of the way of the ball, and he he did quite a good job of sort of raising, sort of bringing the referee's attention to that. I think a little bit more so than than Laidlaw does. I mean, certainly the the George North tackle around the neck, he made a very good attempt. <laughs> he was almost sort of <laughs> arms out, mid tackle, going, "Come on, look at this." <laughs> look,
1: look. I've got the ball in one hand and his neck, his arms round my neck at the moment, so my other hand is just appealing. <laughs> um, no, I thought he, you know, he he made a big difference against France. Um, as did Hastings. Uh, Adam Hastings, I thought, had a fantastic game of fullback. back. Um, you know, particularly given the the amount of abuse he's gotten. Recently, I think very undeserved abuse, as I mentioned last week. See, I even remember that part. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, because he had a couple of bad games against Edinburgh, so that's like every Edinburgh fan who who's ever seen him uh, decided he's terrible. And uh, also, Duncan Weir should be brought back because he's the Messiah. Um,
0: he's not the Messiah. He's a very little potato. <laughs> um, I mean, we we had a question. We had a question from Stuart Schiller on Twitter who said Is Hastings at fifteen, the new Hog at ten. Now, my instant rea- reaction to this was no. <laughs>
1: No, oh, because that would be Hastings at ten and Russell at twelve. That was the uh, that's the new at ten.
0: If that actually happened, um,
1: yeah, uh, so that's a perfectly good was. idea. Yeah, Hoggett ten happens though.
0: Yeah,
2: Hastings at Hastings at twelve or thirteen is is the new. It's the Hoggett one I think yeah. it's the,
1: the latest one, which is no,
0: no, <laughs> no. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I think what was good was that he got a run out of fifteen, which I think. Means I think it makes his call up to the World Cup squad much more likely because if it if if Russell's the first choice 10, then you have Hastings on the bench as an option either to come on at 10 and shift Russell to 12 or to fill in at full back if there's an injury because I think he he showed he, showed he could do it. I mean, I think he's, but is it is it air that he played full back for a couple of seasons ago when he first started for I'm Glasgow? I'm not sure, I
2: think. I think he had a couple of outings there for, um, when he was down in Bath, playing in the, the seconds for Bath. Um, I'm pretty sure he played a couple of games at full-back there. But.
1: And I'm pretty sure he played 15 for the Warriors a couple of times um, when Russell was still, still at the club. Because Russell would have been 10, obviously. Um, and I think if you know if Hog has... Hogg seems to have been injured quite a lot the last couple of years. It's, I think rush rushing back too quickly you know after he gets a, a little knock it's like alright he's only out for three weeks bring him back and then two weeks later that's him picked up on off he, he
2: probably rushes himself
1: back yeah he could be he's so uh,
2: especially devoted to the Scotland was, was that picture of him with bleach blonde hair is that genuine
0: and up to date I believe and so yes. yes
1: I've seen the Instagrams
0: that's from <laughs> uh, Ryan Wilson's Instagram I think I, yes. I I think it's it must be something within the Glasgow squad because I saw Um, that Matt Smith has a similar lid at the minute I I think Blood and Mud have a running joke that all players Exeter have terrible haircuts so I made the joke on Twitter today that that's that's why he's done it but then I saw Matt Smith had blonde hair so I don't know if there's been some some bet within the Glasgow squad some bet has been lost maybe
1: a fundraising thing
0: who knows it's a terrible terrible idea I mean mean, but but who can blame the lad I mean you know he spent all that money on his new hair you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why not? Why not draw more, draw more attention to it? Experiment well, you know. a little bit, yeah. Um, I don't see. I don't. I don't reckon he's going to be on. Uh, you know, there in his, um, you know, his own brand scarf and coat um, on the BBC this weekend, summarising. Um, just, I, I think everyone will be addressing in the contrast on their tellies. Um <laughs> The 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 one. I mean, the one thing that I, I sort of uh, this weekend that sort of and um, Lee was talking about on Blood and Mud earlier this week was about Scotland's attack. And one is that there doesn't seem to me almost much planned interlinking between the forwards and the backs in any of the the attacking moves. It's very much the forwards truck it up to create the space for the backs to then do whatever their planned move is after three or four phases. And that kind of was what they did with the, um, the, the, the Darcy Graham try. That was obviously a planned move um, waiting for someone to rush out the line in the Wales and then switch it to McGuigan and then everyone run that angle. But there's not, they just seem to be quite rigid in sticking to whatever they're trying to do, any whatever attacking move they're trying to do. And, and Townsend is the only attacking coach on on Scotland's books. So he, and he, I think he said after the, was it the Ireland game? He said, you know, I'm the attack coach, so it's on me. And I just, part of me wonders whether or not there is a, an argument to say that it's not that he shouldn't be the attack coach because I think that he clearly had a lot of success with it at Glasgow. It's whether or not he needs to bring someone in to to assist him in that role, because as the the national coach, he needs to obviously have have oversight of how everything's working. And if if he had someone on a part time basis come in and assist him with the attack coach, he might have much more of an overview of. How that might interlink with with, with, get more of an interlink between forwards and backs and defence and attack because at the minute it just seems it seems for all these intricacies in the way that Scotland attack it does seem quite one dimensional.
2: Yeah, I think um, I think uh, if you can if you can get Matt if Matt Taylor can moonlight part time with Glasgow and part time with Scotland although he's full time with Scotland now I think. Um. Or is he full time in the Scotland and part time in Glasgow? Anyway, if he can do that for defence, why can't they get Jason O'Halloran in from Glasgow? I mean, you've got this this guy there who had what barely a year, or a year, maybe just over a year with, uh, you know, with the with the Scottish attack. It was starting to starting to bear fruit, and then Chuni comes in, cleans the coaching cupboard out. He gets shifted onto Glasgow. Took took Glasgow a while to get used to sort of Rennie and O'Halloran, but I think you can certainly see that. Their, you know, their their attack is starting to click now. Certainly with the guys that they've had regular coaching access to, it's actually it's maybe even it's maybe even that it's not quite as impressive when the you know when the full internationals come back because they haven't spent as much time in, in the Glasgow camp. Um, but yeah, what what would be the harm in, in getting him? him across um, for I'd, a little bit of
0: consulting. Yeah, I'd be more interested. I, I think what would be a better fit? And I don't know. I, I think, I mean, it might be a long shot would be better. Someone like Ben Ryan, because he, he's sort of yeah. expressed an interest in the England attack coach role when it was up, but said he would only want to do it part time. And I know he was, he was interviewed for the Edinburgh job a while back. So he, he's certainly on the SIU's radar as, as yeah. someone that'd be interesting. So I think he, he in terms of his eight, if you read his, um, Seven Heavens book, he would seem to be sort of the ideal fit for for Scotland in a way. So I kind of hope that, part of my hopes on reflection after the Six Nations that bringing in someone on a part-time basis until the World Cup, I think almost just to sort of try and give Tony that breathing space and a chance to sort of mm-hmm. cement his plans would, would bear fruit, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Ben Ryan would be a great show. Um, just, yeah, it's just... It's, it's fresh ideas. I mean, we know Townsend travels about, and he get he you know he's a student of the game. Um, he loves to go ahead and get coaching philosophies from people, and you know he ob- I'm sure he pay, pays attention to uh, to what's going on. But he's got you know he's got a lot of stuff to to manage, um, being the being the head coach. And even if yeah, if it was just someone to kind of uh, yeah, as you say, kind of ease the burden of that a bit.
0: Do you do you think do you think Scotland are maybe over complicating things in attacking?
1: Um Yes, well like you guys were saying there, um England didn't have an attack coach for oil, did they? Um and it does seem like Tooney's taken a lot on his own plate. I mean the, the Darcy Graham try, um against Ireland we'd uh, you know, we'd shown concerns about the set piece attack phases. That was a that was a you know, a one phase set-piece try and it was the only time we managed to puncture Wales and it was a bit of thin magic and we are, it is concerning that we seem to be having that white line fever that we used to get back in the the battle days, Mm. Um, whereas we thought we were over that now Um, and I think it was, it might have been 10-14 or rugby pass um, against Ireland, you know what they were saying was like every player in the Scotland backline, and we know that's you know one of the potent threats. They're the ones that everyone seems to be individually trying to go for that killer move, mm-hmm. rather than straighten up and you know, you know look for men outside. Um, so you know, but it's, it's, had a lot of these guys at Glasgow. I mean, we had time with them at Scotland. Um, you, know, you would think that he would. Those guys would know the attacking game plan that he wants to try and play, especially you know through a backs phase. And it does seem to be a little bit different. Maybe we do need to bring someone fresh in to see it, because you know international defenses, especially Wales. Um, you know, Wales's defense is ridiculously good. Uh, Ireland's is up there as well. You know, even though they're constantly offside, <laughs> um, and maybe we do just need that uh, you know fresh set of maybe more cynical eyes or. Somebody who knows, you know, like this is what they're going to do. We should do this to counteract it.
0: Yeah, I think it's that thing of, uh, particularly. I mean, you compare it to the Wales attack and defence. That, you know, Scotland got very little in return for their journeys into the Welsh Twenty Two compared to what you know Wales. I think were in the every time. I think every time Scotland, Wales were in Scotland's Twenty Two, they scored came back or came came back with points. Whereas I think you can't say that about Scotland and that Scotland's phases never got anywhere near the number, you know, they, I think at one point, Scott, you know, Wales were in something like the, getting again towards 30 phases like they did against England. And we don't seem to have that composure of, we're in the 22, let's just keep chipping away because at some point we're going to frustrate the defence, create space and they're going to snap. We just seem to fo- try and force things a bit too much when there's no need to.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like the Scotland players have never been Scotland fans. <laughs> because any, any Scotland fan will tell you that if Scotland batter away for twenty five phases, they're gonna knock it on or get penalized. It's like if if you were if you were if you had a a scrum decision under the posts and any Scotland fan will tell you do not take another scrum because it won't go the same way the second time you'll get penalized or you'll arse it up trying to get the ball clear or something. Split, split. But, these, but these I mean fair play to these guys they have confidence in their own abilities but they're they're, they're, <laughs> they they they're working against they're working against history
0: yeah, <laughs> no a lot of averages. yeah Yeah, I think well that's that was what frustrated me about the line out this weekend because it's almost a given now that Scotland will kick to the corner they will take a line out five meters out and they will maul it and teams know that I mean, it's almost yeah unsuccessfully and teams know that now that Scotland rely on their maul and Scotland have a strong maul and so if you watch, I mean, against Ireland and France and Wales, there was a point where the opposition team weren't competing for the ball. And there was a point in the Wales match where they went Scotland went for a second line-out and you think, well, Wales Wales know Scotland are going to maul this, so why not? And we know Scotland have got these weird line-out plays Somewhere in their back pocket, where they've you know they stuck Alex Dunbar in the line, and they that, that one in the autumn with Hamish Watson. So you think, well, if they're expecting us to go for the mall, we, we need to have something in the pocket that says, okay, let's trick them into thinking we're we'll going to mall, and then I don't know, throw it short to someone running in the inside, and then. not be they expecting even d-
1: that. D- double bluff them and put like Dunbar or Watson near the line, so they think, oh, they're going to do that sticky thing again. Then just go for a classic mall. Yeah, or or alternatively, just like get the ball back to Finn Russell as quick as you can because he he's the one who's going to unlock the defence.
0: Or even or even and what what uh, there was a point in the twenty two when when Scotland were attacking in Wales twenty two where Hamish Watson was was clapping for the ball and it went to I think it went to Gilchrist who hit the first defender and just fell on the floor and mm. and I'd, I'm not sure that, that that Scotland are getting the ball to the right forwards in the right place and that comes back to the attack plays I don't think that I don't know if it's just because he was a back that might just be stereotypes that, that you know if if you have you know throw you know Laidloth or, or, or Price throws a pass to Watson who's sitting deep and who has a good run up within the 22 he's going to hit beat a couple of defenders whereas if you're just trucking it up all the time it's, you know we know what happens then Scotland will knock on or concede a turnover
2: yeah, another another thing that's probably not sensible to do is to keep mauling it in the safe in the safe in the, the knowledge that they're going to collapse it and you'll get a yellow card because that also doesn't happen if you're Scotland.
0: No, exactly, and I, I think it's 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 all well and good deflecting from team performances, but it, and you know the the laid law thing against Ireland about not getting the. The rub with the referee was, you know, it was a nice little novelty and we all had a laugh about it. But I think Townsend was, was moaning about the referee again this weekend. And I think, you know, Scotland were infringing as much as Ireland uh, as, as Wales this weekend. So
1: Although, in fairness, like, like, you know, if we're talking about consistency with referees um, against Italy, when our sort of collapse happened in the last 10 minutes, it was three penalties within the 22, and then the warning came, and then Bergen got pinged. Even though it wasn't actually his fault, it was batty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Wales had the same number. Um, I think it was actually on the fourth penalty that Alan Wynne- Jones got spoken to, and then another one came, and there was no yellow card.
0: But then, uh, conversely, you could say that that's down Mackina- that that's not a You know, because because when he was speaking to, he went and spoke, the the referee went and spoke to Alan Wynne- Jones off off his own back. There was n- at the third time. McAnally wasn't in the referee's ear saying, "Come on, sir, that's the third time."
2: Which you can guarantee, when Jones would have been if it had been at the other end.
0: Exactly, and I think I that mean, comes, the first one he'd be in though. <laughs> that 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 comes back to, and I don't know if it's because we're missing John Barkley, who's he had a, he had that bad game against England two years ago, where we that that the game of which we shall not speak. Um, hopefully, it won't be another one this weekend. But it, <laughs> where, where he almost sort of seemed.
1: Oh, uh- Sorry, can I just say at this moment Bagsy not doing the match report cuz I did that one 2 years ago.
0: <laughs> and but oh, that okay. that game that game on that was that game was also the making of John Barkley as a captain because after that he he seemed to really grow into managing the referee and speaking to the referee a lot. He seemed yeah. to learn from that match. And well, I think that I think
1: there was it was the Otoji incident which is when I first started to develop my loathing of Maro Otoji, because we'd won a We'd won a five-metre, um, I think it was England-Putin as well, we'd won a, fi- a scrum on our own five-metre line. And um, Maro Toji rubbed John Barclay's head and mocked him. And so John Barclay told him exactly where he should go. And then Matthew Reynal reversed the penalty for uh, John Barclay being fell Mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: I like, no, Itoje was acting like a Roman platt.
0: Yes, well done.
1: Um, it was his countryman who was the referee. Yes.
0: Um yeah it's interesting. I think I think that's certainly so, uh, below Barkley. I, I don't think we Scotland have got anyone that that manages the referee particularly well. That's lost to Nippy. Yes. lead lost to Nippy. I I think McAnally's a bit too passive. But I mean, there's something that, that that's not that's certainly something you could work on, but like you said Rory, Alan Win Jones would have been asking for a yellow card probably after the second infringement knowing that on the third go, it's probably bye bye for someone.
2: Yeah, you plant you plant that seed.
0: Yeah, um, shall we? Shall we move on then? Let's let's move on. We'll move on to this the the game at the weekend. Um, it it's a hard game to preview this because history is not with Scotland. We haven't won at Twickenham since 1983. It's hard to see. It's not like at the minute you could say that 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 Scotland starting lineup is, is a vintage Scotland team because it's shown of so many names. It's, you know, in in more probably maybe the exception of the first, I mean, the front, the front five, you think that's potentially a starting front five, um, the back three, uh, Watson and Skinner, maybe there's an argument for that. Um, I'm not sure about Bradbury yet. Um, Price and Russell's a potential starting, but else, I mean, certainly the back three of McGuigan on the wing, Maitland at 15, and Darcy Graham at 14, and even Nick Grigg at 13 is not, if you were a Scotland coach, that is not, you wouldn't say that those are your first choice starting in those positions.
2: (laughs) I mean, Sam, Sam Johnson, not necessarily as well. I mean, he's certainly one of the guys in form, but I think if everyone else was fit, he probably wouldn't be
1: starting at 12 just yet. So, yeah, it's a chunk of the back line. It's very much makeshift. Although, you know, I've, I'm a big Sam Johnson fan. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I, I prefer Johnson over Horn, you mm. know, uh, who's completely dropped out. But uh, the thing, though, like who, are, are, who is a better option at 12 over Johnson or Horn at the moment?
0: It's a hard one. Um, it's it slightly harsh that Horn got uh, that um, Johnson got dropped for the Wales match. Yeah. I
1: thought so. Um, but uh, well, we always uh, we're always clamouring for Duncan Taylor. Mm. But, uh, we're we're <laughs> ever <everyone. laughs> yes. uh, Matt, like is Matt Scott's best position twelve or thirteen? Um,
0: thirteen, I would say.
1: But then Mark Bennett's more suited to thirteen. So if they're playing together at Edinburgh, is Matt Scott going to have to revert back? Yeah, to 12? I, think I think he'll be playing. He'll be playing twelve. Yeah. So well. Our, I know mean, we may be a wee bit surprised Dunbar wasn't called back in at the training squad. Christine, you know, that's the thing. You know, like you look at the Edinburgh squad now; you've got Christine Johnson, Bennett, and Scott.
0: That was the um, odd thing. That was the odd thing because we, you know, I, I think Nick uh, Nick Grigg is a, has had some unfair criticism. I think over over his last few performances for Scotland, I think he's done a done a reasonable job.
1: I thought but he was pretty good against Wales.
0: He was, uh, yeah. I think, but I think I equally can see uh, Ember fans' frustration that James Johnson isn't getting a run at thirteen. Yeah,
1: he's a good finisher. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, I guess probably you could level the same criticism about Greg's size as you, that, you know, uh, as you, against Johnson as well. It is, I mean, it's a tricky one. He's. He's you know he's been a sevens sevens player for most of this, this is pretty much his first full season playing 15s at, at this you know pro level um, and he's you know he showed up really well for Edinburgh but that maybe you know how much of that is is Christine as well um, you know they've been a really good partnership in defence and that's that's what set the tone I think you could you could still say that as a as a backline you know the Edinburgh backliner are, are not the kind of the fully incisive finished scalpel razor sharp you know um attacking unit that they would that they would like to be i'm sure um well they've got duhan though so he can just got like over yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> and i mean you you see you kind of see that when you've got like uh, when you've got the uh, kinghorn uh, uh, whale you know playing in, in the Wales game uh, as you said earlier kami it's uh, you know they're trying they're trying to kind of kill her move and um you maybe saw that from hoggy earlier in his career but um, probably since you know the the famous kind of Willie move to Ulster, drop him for the, you know, drop him for the the pro pro for for twelve final kind of thing. Um, that he's matured a lot, and now he's actually a much more selfless player. Um, but these are lessons that you learn. You know, he's a senior player in the squad now. These yeah. you know some of the younger guys have got to they've got to to get that as well. And you know it's that it's that pressure. Nobody wants their team to be doing badly. They all want. To try and be the one that can spark something and get their team back on, you know, back on the front foot, and try and, you know, try and get them all moving, moving forward again. Try and get that, get that score that gets them back in the game. But um, it's very, it's very hard at an international level to do um, bits of, you know, individual brilliance, unless you are genuinely, you know, a, a kind of a world class player. Yeah, I mean the one just because there's so little space and time.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I, I felt sorry for Kinghorn this weekend because he he was shown up. His deficiencies in defence were certainly shown up. But that's those deficiencies are the same deficiencies we were leveling at Hog a couple of years ago in terms of defence. And that yeah, it's it's a matter. It's just a matter of it's more down to timing, I think, than anything uh, anything else. regardless of what Jim Telfer might think about his. Um, confidence in throwing yourself into the tackle I think <laughs> the the missed tackle this weekend for Anscombe's try was was more a case that he just missed the run and then got wrong footed by he
1: got mugged by Adams
0: exactly yeah. that yeah not Anscombe yeah. Adams yeah
1: uh, but um, I th- I can't remember I think um, well, Seymour maybe got sucked in a bit and Greg jumped the line so Kinghorn was a bit exposed uh, but for the second try, second try uh, King Horn was already injured by this point, so I hope no blame to him at all. Um, you can see him try to hobble along to maybe try and catch Jonathan Davis, but it was never going to happen. Um, but yes, it's just, how, how lucky have we been with injuries? Uh, and also, remember what happened last time uh, when we were in, Well, we all remember what horribly happened. Yeah, uh, But injury-wise, that was... You know, Hogg got... Uh, I remember you getting a lot of use on this one, Cammy. <laughs>
0: on
1: Twitter. because um, you pointed out that uh it told you, as per usual, had high tackled hog. and had,
0: then yes. James
1: Haskell. Then James Haskell stuck a bit of shoulder in as well.
0: He did, yes. But that was not the reason uh, I got I blocked ch- by James Haskell. That was something else.
1: Uh, well, <laughs> Was Joe Marble involved in that? No, he wasn't. <laughs> no.
0: I, I um no, yeah. That As a separate, that's a separate I, I said that James Haskell was second off second choice back row after John Hardy um when he played for the Highlanders. And <laughs> I think James Haskell name searched and then blocked me during the Lions too when I when I tweeted that out. Um Because <laughs> I wasn't blocked before I sent that tweet and then I was blocked after it. But yeah, that yeah, there were there was a lot of but I think that comes back to Scotland's that hardness, and that's not about... Although Jamie Ritchie, I think, has been pretty good about putting himself about playing hard and then also getting in people's faces, which I think Scotland have lacked. And I'm, I I think that's going to be the big challenge for Scotland. And I'm surprised that um, Gary Graham's not on the bench for Josh Strauss this weekend, because I... We've only seen that little bit of him against France, and what we saw, I was quite impressed with. I think he's he offers more than Strauss in terms of the physical side of things. Whether or not it's too much, I don't know. Um, the, the Ian Wheeler tweeted me a couple of points over the times over the week just to say that it's a shame not to see that the King of Cumbria side plot be resolved between uh, yeah. Mark Wilson and. Gary Graham um, and I think just you know with all the taunts and everything and and Graham's history of being called in the England camp it it would have been a perfect game just just for pure if nothing else just to troll Eddie Jones, you know throwing Gary Graham on in the back row with ten minutes to go I think just would have been a supreme bit of trolling, so I'm disappointed he's not in there and um, any 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 surprise any surprise or anyone you'd have in there differently Ian.
1: Oh, sorry in terms in the of the sub-15
0: yeah or well, even the subs or uh, replacements uh, finishes um I'm just saying, fluffers um,
1: to, to be quite honest <laughs> fluffers what, what, what are you talking about here um I would have uh, taken Sander over Bergen hmm. uh, on the bench um who's replacement Hooker actually is it Brown, Brown. yeah Brown yeah uh, that's right then um no, oh well, Chris Harris, at twenty-three. I suppose he can, He's allegedly supposed to cover wing. Wait, um, mind you, who who else have fit at the moment? Who could you could have put? I think you could have put either Pete
2: Horn or Jackson in there. Yeah, I mean, I get there's, um, no, there's no wing cover, but you see,
1: I'm I'm wondering if this Ali Price could do. It. I'm yeah. wondering. <laughs> We've
0: done it him I mean, before. Yeah,
1: but I'm wondering if this um, team selection is maybe maybe not a death knell, but a, a slight caveat to Pete Horn about, well, he's not been in the greatest form. You know, I, I'm a Pete Horn fan, but I don't think he's, he's not brilliant, is he? He's, he's a very good, you know, I, I'm not going to say he's a good club man, he's he's above club man. He's a very versatile, useful player to have inter, international level. But, is he a first choice fifteen? If everyone's fit, you know, if we're talking about Duncan Taylor, Hugh Jones, Matt Scott, Mark Bennett, if Alex Dunbar manages to get a run of games onto his belt and get a bit of form, um, Sam Johnson, you know, there's Chris, even if Christine's playing better than Peter. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a tricky one. A number of options. It's one of these one of these things where we sort of have we say
2: right this is this is the blueprint that we want to play. So therefore, who's the best player to play that, and we'll hope that he's fit. And it's going to be one of those things. Come come the World Cup, we're just going to have to see who's who's in form. I think one of the things Townsend has done is is blooded a lot of players, got them into camps, familiar with systems. So even if it did, you know, if the cupboard was bare and it came down to James Johnson and Christine, they have at least, you know, they've trained with Scotland. They wouldn't be the first time. Um, I think I think Horn there there is a place for him on the World Cup tour just because of the, the versatility that he's got, you know, he could cover 10 and 12. Um, he's quite useful off, off the bench because I mean, he is still a good, good attacker, good pass to the ball, but yeah, he's, he's maybe, he's not had, he's not, he's not really kind of um, made the best of his, his opportunities in the Six Nations so far.
0: Yeah. He, I mean, it was interesting the, the squid rugby video of um the France. His analysis of the, the Scotland France game was quite interesting. Just uh, Horn wasn't always first receiver, and uh, again, he didn't really marshal the defence in the way that that Russell and even Hastings did in France. And that was quite interesting to see. I mean, even this weekend when you you watched the, what Russell's always there or thereabouts at, at the ruck, sort of telling everybody where to go. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that, Russell. And that's it, it's quite interesting to see what what happens to Scotland when he doesn't play.
2: Yeah, I think I mean he, yeah, he's he's definitely growing into that kind of leadership role more. Um I think before we were we were sort of worried oh you've got to have Greg um to keep an eye on keep an eye on Russell, but I think probably if not by the World Cup then certainly probably after the World Cup um Russell will be perfectly capable of running a game him himself in pretty much all respects and probably doing doing the kicking as well. I mean his kicking's not amazing, but it's 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 good enough most days um, oh, and certainly just... is you know his range of his range of little chips and dinks is, is certainly is is up there with the best in the world
0: yeah I mean, it's interesting the um, Java the fourth best inside center in uh, the Six Nations is Pete Horn Ah, oh, again yeah, he's also the oh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth, the ninth best outside centre, which is a real achievement given he's never played there. <laughs> he's
1: not fun, yeah. But I like I've pointed out, this this rugby pass index is nonsense.
0: Yeah. It's, good,
1: it's good fun, but it's nonsense. Yeah. F- Finn Russell's the f- only the fifth best fly half in the Six Nations.
0: Who's who's who's, who's ahead of him? him?
1: Uh, like Joey Carberry was ahead of him, like uh, Anscombe and Bigger were ahead of him. Uh, so it was Sexton Sexton's obviously ahead of him, Rose yeah. Farrell. But then uh, I think was um, and uh, Bigger were ahead of Finn Russell, and then Joey Carpery was just behind. And like Finn Russell lost points after that game for influence, despite <laughs> the fact he like assisted three tries.
0: Nick Grigg is currently the third best inside centre in the Six Nations.
1: He's
0: not play centre. No outside centre. Sorry, beg your pardon. He's the third best outside centre. But even I mean that's a that's a. I mean you know as much I like Nick Nick love Nick Grigg, for all his inexplic- inexplicable um, skills as an outside centre for his size um, and the fact that he's only twenty six but looks like he's about. For, a forty-year-old veterans player just sort of wandered in to have a game with his, you know, wandered in with his boots to see if there's a gate he can have a game this weekend. Um, did, you,
1: did you hear that wee bit on the audio at the press conference where he um, he hadn't realised the microphones were in front of him, so he leaned forward to talk. And then he went, it like echoed round. And he went, oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> it was slightly like farther. Oh, well, I just want to.
0: No, I didn't sure.
1: catch
0: that. Yet. Yeah, you had, um, you had to be there. Really, yes. um, um Anyway, do you, do you, should we? I mean, uh, we're going to lose this weekend, aren't we, Rory?
2: Um, it's hard to see another another outcome. I mean, if you if you if you're, fe- <laughs> if you're, if you're feeling chipper, <laughs> if you're fe- if you're feeling chipper and you're feeling optimistic, go and read part one of Kevin's preview. It's it's not miserable and depressing, but just the the stats. Um, you know Scotland versus England is what the oldest international rugby fixture in history 1871 or something that's uh, 49 visits to Twickenham over those years and we won four times wow. and you know so stats are you know there's four we've we've drawn five times and we've lost 39 times so it's it's not something that just happen you know, happens every so often and we're at you know we have a genuinely awful record at Twickenham for some reason. Um as Ian said when we're talking about the All Blacks law of average it dictates that you're going to win eventually. Um but yeah I mean what was it? Since 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 nineteen eighty three there have been sixteen defeats and one draw. Scotland have averaged just one try per game. The average score has been 31-14 in the home side's favour. And the Scots have only finished within a converted try in the, of England in three of those defeats.
0: What so that, what that tells me is the, we are going to score.
2: Yeah, we're we're we're, we're due a one try maybe. Um, yeah,
1: well, you know that actually means we overachieved last year. Uh, sorry, yeah. three years ago because we scored three tries.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but, but then Jimmy absolutely pumped. Not not only is history against us; we're probably the team is. You know that was a pretty strong team that went down there last time. Yeah, but on the plus but to side, begin with, but then, yeah,
0: <laughs> then Ali, the Ali Price side, ended up on the wing. Yeah,
2: yeah. On the plus side, we've already and had Ali, Ali Price on the wing in this tournament. We've already done the injury reshuffle before the game starts, so hopefully we'll manage to keep you know the starting fifteen going for twenty minutes or so. And on the other plus side, there's nothing to lose yeah um we're not we're not expected to do anything so you know I hope the guys go out there and give it a crack um they're certainly not gonna go down there okay. thinking we're gonna get gonna get humped that's you know that's our job as um as miserable miserable to to do that um but yeah good luck good luck to them um I'm excited to see Sam Skinner see how he goes um I think it'll be good to see Darcy Graham you know they won't be, they won't know too much about him see how he gets on um I mean, England are going to do what England do—the the sort of high ball thing that they took Ireland apart with. That's probably that could be particularly effective against against us, even with our first choice back three. So um, we'll just have to see how these how these guys go under the high ball.
1: Yeah, I do, I do. hope that Darcy Graham makes a mug of Johnny May at some point. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. That would yeah, be lovely. I
0: think. Yeah, I think a you... Something about Johnny May I just don't like. A few couple of a couple of mish runs. Darcy Gray maybe getting a mugging off Johnny May. I think you know we might have to look for the small victories within this one. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
2: Sa- Sam Skinner looking looking good at uh, uh, something would be yep. that'd be good. Yeah, another player, another player to 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 add to the add to the pool of guys that we think are good. You know, hopefully we'll learn something about about some of these players. Um, but yeah. I think uh, we may learn about them in defeat rather than victory.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Finn, Finn Russell showing up on Farrell again, that would be nice. Does that would be off? nice, yeah. yeah. At least mocking him.
0: It's a real shame. If anyone gets a chance, I've, I haven't got the clip queued up, I was hoping to get something. If anyone gets a chance, listen. do listen to the BBC Radio 5 Live um, podcast this week because um, Ryan Wilson is on it, uh, speaking to a very unhappy Danny Kerr about what happened uh, during the Calcutta Cup of last year um which is immense fun Ryan Wilson is on top form um i there is actually a video of it and Danny Care I, I i wasn't very clear whether Danny Care was genuinely upset that Ryan Wilson was on the podcast but when you look at the video he is genuinely upset that he's having to speak to Ryan Wilson um, can, can,
1: can, can i get my pre approved Twitter? Well? no no I, all right Danny Care just Danny Care just looks like a miserable huffy humorless roman Poet.
0: Yeah, I would agree. He's awful. He is, it's yeah, he uh, is. It's awful. absolutely
1: shocking. Ryan Wilson is just clearly yeah. on Very the wind right up. Yeah. yeah, like, especially the whole booing the England players at the rugby awards.
2: Yeah, yeah. he was obviously had yeah. a few beers and he was just having a. Having it's a laugh, own, but,
1: oh, boo. Uh, yeah. We beat you. We you might... know what I think actually happened with the, um, you know, the whole uh, George Ford Owen Faro thing? See, so, yeah, I think uh, Ryan was talking to George Ford and said, here, Georgie it Leicester, do you guys get any of these property investment kind of deals going on? <laughs> I was just talking to some of the Sari's boys, and they're raking it in. Fast comes up. Well, oh, sorry, uh, what was it Fast Investments? Fast FAS property. Fast property investments. I
0: That's... think it's more likely he was talking to him about the um, the romantic fan fiction that we uncovered about a week before <laughs> that game. I think that's much that more hilarious. likely to have been what he was talking about. Um, <laughs> anyway, we're going to really do. We, let's. So. We, we, we've got a late Where's Dougie Donnelly this week, and it. I'm really pleased. I pushed for this because someone tweeted to me, and I, I sort of missed it in a, a deluge of other tweets that, that had been tweeted to us uh, during the day. it on the blog site? This is this is absolutely glorious. This is. Um, I think I saw this. Did you see this? Is from Alexander Thompson. Um and I think this may be the best one we've ever had. He said, um, his friend saw Finn Russell going into a cinema in the centre of Ember earlier this week, it was obviously down time from the training camp. Finn purchased a large popcorn, no word on whether it was sweet or sorted, and then left without seeing a film. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a legend. <laughs> He's just showing peak Finn, which I think absolutely that is absolutely peak. Russell. Well, uh,
2: yeah. I mean, if you're uh, if you're making the sort of money he does, you're not going to go to Tesco and buy a bag of butter, are you? You're going to get the most expensive popcorn, which is the most cheap, the cheapest product in the world. Yeah, but that, find uh, <laughs> find a way to buy it expensively.
0: That that is what that, to fair. That's what Alexander did point out. He said um it also demonstrates how much rassing are paying him because cinema popcorn at Embra is not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, did you say we had another one, um Ian?
1: Yeah, hang on. It's, I think it was on the uh, last week's podcast blogs. Uh, uh saw Leaf Ha Lee Halfpenny on Princess Street on Friday night, early Saturday, and Jamie Ritchie unsuccessfully trying to get into Gary Baldy's on Hanover Street the week before definite queue jumping. <laughs>
0: That's a very, very good very good spot. On- The um, we we'll move on. We'll have a quick look at fantasy league. You can We haven't touched on this much this year, um, mainly because of how Just bad really last w- we're doing. We did skip it last week, um, because we kind of got bogged down on other things. Um, Ian, you are forty forty fourth.
1: I was about to say, like, because I'm such a pedant about this kind of stuff. I'd noticed. I think I've maybe jumped above you this week.
0: You have, um, yeah.
1: I've I've used the um, the old um, WIP tactic. Oh, sorry, WPI. Uh, whoever's playing Italy tactic. Um, so I made Manu to my captain.
0: I've tried that. Right, Rory, you, I, know, I, you and I are battling out in the sixties. You, you, really, you, you're up twenty-seven places though to number sixty eight. Yeah, I, I picked I
2: picked, uh, picked to laggy, but I didn't make him. They didn't make him captain. I thought maybe Johnny May would score more points, but
0: um, yeah. Yeah. I made the same mistake yeah, I picked Manatee lab so i'm i'm down and i'm i'm down you've replaced me in fact i'm down three places to sixty three um congratulations to let's see who's first um angerine's shiny tankers um is first and um adam with his team called the egg shaped nuts uh has the yellow cap which is the most improved KK where it was up ten points to number two so uh one more week to go um I'm hoping chip chip douglas. Uh, who's currently 6th, has the Dan Parks Legacy um, 16, which is a, a wonderful team name, so hopefully he'll uh, do well. So, yeah, um, if you're in the Super... It's too late to join. Well, you could join and have a go, but you're unlikely to catch everyone up at this point. But, um, yeah, if you've already got a Unless Super... Unless you're re- Hamish Watson. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's always,
2: yeah. yeah, everyone get Watson in your teams now, Colin. You know you want to.
0: get <laughs> I'm not with that. That is what I've done this week. Um <laughs>
2: Which I mean, which French wingers are you supposed to pick to make your captain? Though
0: it's week? it's very hard it's, because that's
2: a neon, nobody's going to put Huguet in because he's flaky as hell. I have.
0: That's my that's that's my only hope to get above any dropped, views.
2: Dropped, he dropped Ramos, didn't he? Is he picked? He's starting Medard, is he? Oh you know, God! Yeah. Uh, pet, uh,
1: it's Penal on the other wing. Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, he'd be working uh, Intermac captain. When you have, like. I'm. I'm not going to drop Finn Russell for my team. Nothing will make me drop Finn Russell. <laughs> I've got Sexton sitting on the bench. I've had him sitting there like. nah Johnny. Can it, yeah, Finn.
2: it's it's bad, isn't it? I mean, I've got my two playoffs are Sexton and Farrell, and it's just like feel dirty each week. It
1: doesn't matter who. I pick. <laughs> I guess
0: that's so, that's, like, that's the whole thing. The first thing. three weeks,
1: I didn't even have a goal kicker because I kept <laughs> kick, picking Finn Russell. It was like ah, oh, Laidlaw's going to be picking doing the kicking. Yeah, so.
0: that's 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 the thing. I, I think the one thing that always comes out of Doing the fantasy league is—you do come away from it feeling very dirty.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I picked Keith Earle once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah that, you can i think that
0: there's that thing of do you do you for glory? Do you, you have to sell your soul for glory in the fantasy <laughs> league? And I, I'm not prepared yeah. to do that. That's that's why we do so badly.
2: Yep, mid yep.
1: mid sixties respectability is fine. Yeah, exactly. I've, had, I've, I've had George Horn all tournament, and the boys not even been in the squad yet. <laughs> Speaking of
2: uh, speaking of fantasy teams, there was uh, I had a good tweet this week from uh, the the loosest forward on Twitter, who as uh, I'm not sure what we were talking about. I think we were talking about the possibility of Manu Tulangy signing for Racing and creating uh, three Musketeers of of drinking with Finn and Simon Zeebo. Um But obviously, he's n- he's not signed for Racing. He's uh, signed a new deal with Leicester, so that's not going to happen. But somebody had, had sent me a an on the lash dream team XV. Um, which had some good some good suggestions in it, so uh, that's uh, uh, I retweeted that on Twitter. Go and have a look, but uh, yeah, Gre- gregan and Finn are the halfbacks, so it's uh, it's it's much what you expect, and uh, it's not too many not too many Scots representing. Actually, Doddy Weir is yeah uh, is the other one.
1: I'm, but, uh, I'm assuming Andy Pell's in there.
2: Oh yeah, is Powley, at number six, Billy Vidapol at number eight. Um, Manu Zeebs is at fullback. Um, Jason Leonard, I think, is at loosehead. So it's an all eras. And Castro Giovanni a tight head,
0: of course, but, of course. And,
2: and he's put up. He's he's tweeted me with the the two pictures. The one of Castro in Las Vegas with his top off, you know, doing whatever it of was course. he was doing.
0: Well, no, but what um, he was um, what he was doing was apparently being injured for Leicester that weekend. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. What, was
2: he
1: not partnering with Slatan
0: Ibrahimovic? Yeah, he, he was. Yeah, yep. he was uh, <laughs> yeah. Classic. Love Slatan. Yeah, classic Castro. <laughs> Okay, it's time for Hands in the Ruck. Um, we've had a couple um, from Twitter this week. Uh, Ali Baxter got in touch to say, we haven't heard from Jim Telfer yet. Um, I think there's still time for, to launch launch a full gym. Um, I'm sure we, he's just keeping his powder dry till uh, the Saturday morning papers, I reckon. Um, Dr. Sanchez says his Hands in the Ruck is non-English people calling Twickenham HQ. Um, I would... I would second that, but also suggest that anybody that, that English people calling it HQ or even Twickers is, is also my hands in the ruck. Um, we've had um, Bruce McConaughey says his hands in the ruck is the format for the England team announcement. He says it's the most stupid format to announce a team and, uh, as always, disagrees with the term finishes for substitutes or replacements. I think finishes, I think we've said this before, it does sound like it's something from the porn industry, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it's like it, it seems like the kind of thing that would be, um, you know, if there was a Range Rover sponsored press conference and Maro Otoji was talking about himself as Maro Otoji, the person rather than organ player.
0: <laughs> yes. Um. What's had its hands in your ruck then, Ian?
1: Uh. Well, it's actually a, um, a comment that was on the rugby forum last Friday. Um. You know, the old Scottish rugby Forum, where, uh, where chaos is <laughs> only just say, a minute sun, away.
0: Sunshine and lollipops.
1: Oh, such a glorious cool place.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's on... Um, yeah, well, this was posted on the 9th of March. When was that exactly? That... Yeah, um, 10 to 1. So it's. I'm, I'm not going to mention the guy's name just in case he ends up with death threats. Um but he said, I've just stumbled back from the pub with a social class warrior pal who is going to support Wales tomorrow because Scotland is full of public school system players. <laughs> uh, you, could probably, yeah, you could probably stop there.
0: Well, there's, yeah, also, there's, there's... also the fact that I think, I, you can predict the age of this person. It's somebody who's not watched or read about Scottish rugby since probably about 1985.
1: Yeah, well, he has then gone on to say that um, you know he he imagined that imagined the blue collar players are few. Uh, anybody out there tell me the mix? Gone are the farming stock and sparks that won the Grand Slam. Oh, final yeah. se- fi- final sentence. Oh, this is a good one. Um, well, his mate who is uh, not going to support Scotland because you know they're too posh. Uh, my kitchen. Um, who would also support Ireland or Wales over us because they are good working class brethren? <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: Right. Um
1: the, the unfortunate um well, well I'm immediately drawn to well, comparisons wise, and uh, you know, working class brethren with regards to Ireland. Um a couple of weeks ago I was reading an article about uh yeah, Tig Furlong, who is me me just look at him. He's a farmer, all the way. And uh, Ian Henderson. Um, and then there was also the, uh, the whole Paddy Jackson thing. Um, Devin, f- we've
0: said this before. Devon Toner looks like a provincial accountant.
1: I, I think he kind of looks like Frankenstein's monster. Um, but like the Ireland team, you know, you've got uh, well, what you'd call your. Uh, what well, what what I wouldn't call, but. I'd, I'd, Read this comment. Uh, sorry, this uh, phrasing of them, and I think it's bloody hilarious to be honest. So it's your uh, sort of middle class uh, officer people, people like um, like Paddy Jackson. Um, you know, they he went to private schools and what have you. So for this guy, it suggests that all the Ireland players are working class farmer boys like Tag Long, Completely inaccurate. Um, the Welsh team, um, there's a fair bit of a combo there. Um, you've got Samson Lee for example um, we all remember what your good pal Joe Marla called him yep uh, uh, Ross Moriarty he's a bit of a tough nut um, but some of them went to private schools as well so I mean what this whole there's 141 141 comments on this well my
0: my comment was that is the worst piece of fishing i've ever seen on that forum (laughs) because his comment was i didn't know how to argue back with my friend can anybody please help me and i I don't know why you the only way you're ever going to if you can't argue back then you don't know enough about rug the current state of rugby uh, equally if you can't argue back the last thing you should be doing is then going on a forum to make the very point that your friend's making in a way to just sort of try and draw attention to yourself um i know i it's oh, it's one of the most ridiculous I like i said i think it's the most ridiculous cry for attention i've seen this year that that post do
1: you know what i'd seen sort of uh conversely in a pub a few months ago um i was here with my, my good pal andy and uh we'd just come back for a Warriors game and we were walking out and uh, there was this guy who was an older gentleman who was steaming um, as opposed to me and Andy we were completely sober obviously um, but uh, for some reason this guy was like you know what I love about the, the whole thing you guys with the Glasgow Warriors you no." Know, all good working class boys, good Glasgow boys, you know, have someone like Andy Murray, he comes from money, and <laughs> you know, now, now, I've, I've got a bit of a hard on for Andy Murray, I think you guys might know this, um, but also, it's like, hang on mate, what, like, so every single Glasgow Warriors player is a Glasgow boy, who is just, yeah, no, so, hang so on, here. No. yeah, it's like, right, Stuart Hogg, Tommy Seymour, yeah, he's very Glasgow, isn't he, um, we don't have a lot of local guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the whole thing is right. It shouldn't be about this whole. Uh, you know, it, we're a very everyone's going about the, the world's very global.
0: Uh, and for, it's like changed. However. I think. I think that the main thing is, so is it's cha- things have changed. I don't think there's the same. I, we, we've talked. about, I don't think there's uh, the, the, the. I think there is. Below a certain level, I think the problem. From what I understand, what people have tweeted us sort of privately before, that there is a, a public school club divide in terms of who gets development opportunities. Sometimes, well, because I just don't know who's the Gary, who's this guy. Gary
1: Graham. Gary Yeah, it's classic, classic. Yeah,
0: classic example I mean, of that of who who gets the opportunities, and we can we I've debated that on Twitter with. Um, you know the guy, the the lads from the Thistle rugby pod, and and off and David Barnes from the offside line before, and a, there's probably a debate to be had there. But I think in terms of once you get, to, you know, the 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 cream rises to the top, doesn't it eventually, and you know, there's only so much you can tweak things. If someone's good enough to make it to an international level, they'll make it to that level, yeah. and See, when, yeah.
1: I suppose my main issue with this um, post was well, it was kind of a double headed spear was. Um, but it's it's like reverse snobbery because we've had a good old moan about um, rugby fans going, "Oh, here's all the football fans coming, blah blah blah, all that kind of nonsense." Whereas this guy is going, "Oh wait, all rugby, all rugby players are paw shows, therefore I'm not going to support Scotland because it's all Scottish paw shows. Mind you, if Scotland are playing England, and England, if, I think they're like statistically on about seventy percent.
0: Private school educated players, but even that's but even that's misleading. Well, even that's because that that'll probably include George Ford and Owen Farrell, and similarly Scotland statistics will include um, Zander Ferguson, and these guys are getting scholarships to private schools. Yeah, so they're not they're they're private school. Yeah, they come through a private school system, but they they're not self funded, and that's. It's not even that that's a difference because I think the, the the bottom line is the the cream rises to the top. I think maybe in the amateur era things might have been slightly different and maybe there were more there was more of a glass ceiling and people maybe were given opportunities above other others. No more opportunity, to flip. but I don't think that's there anymore because of the academy systems and and th- that they're in place now. I don't think that would happen. Well, I mean,
1: I would hope then you know after the whole Keith Russell affair there was those allegations that um, Keith had made about Mark Dodson saying he didn't want certain uh, schools yeah. involved. and You know, but in this whole thing, we need to kind of break down this barrier of uh, it's a middle-class sport or whatever or, you know, what's who should be playing rugby or whatever. Um, if there's talented athletes out there, because we don't, you know, the numbers are a bit lacking, Um you know, we're below Italy now and registered members. We need to try and get as many people involved, and this you know t- kind of ties into the whole thing about the um, the League of Nations and uh, if it's going to get shifted off terrestrial television. Are the Sru making a concerted effort to try and get people involved early on, mm. especially I mean especially with all these problems about concussion stories as well. How are they trying? To, how are we try? You know, the, the world of rugby are too busy talking about this league, of, uh, league of nations. Try to make more money rather than how do we get more people playing? Because Australia are going down the pan. Um, you know, I think last time I'd looked at something, uh, rugby union was the twenty sixth most popular sport in Australia. Yeah, like, like even stuff like taekwondo was ahead of it. So, if we want to keep this as a powerhouse sport, you know, maybe we need to attract more fans from grassroots up rather than just going for the money. And is a, a sorry, this is like a bit of a generic argument, but this is this one particular comment that's made me think about the whole not exactly class structure, but it, making sure we are trying to attract as many fans in Scotland as
0: possible. Yeah. Which is the main reason why why they opened up the franchise in Glasgow, isn't it? Because that was it was a football heart heartland and it's it was an opportunity to sort of say, well look here's a yeah. he, and he's then a the different Sup- sport. And it and, and you know Glasgow But then the Super
1: Six team gets picked in air.
0: Exactly. <laughs> but but what what Glasgow have got I think, you know, we were talking about tendencies with um Josh last week We can. Glasgow's attendance is something like ninety nine percent for their stadium. Well, it's the highest, oh, you know, in terms of percentage of sellouts. Glasgow have the highest in the Pro Fourteen, and I know it's because they've got a smaller stadium than. It's hard to compare with Murrayfield, for example. But is, it,
1: apparently, it's been a hundred percent for the last two years. But um, you know, when I go there, there's lots of empty pockets of seats, which are you know clearly corporate seats. You know, if it's raining, they don't turn up. Yeah. Uh, So I'm in the north stand, to sit across from the main stand, and that's where, you know, like, a lot of times, see when the place is absolutely jam-packed, and there's only 10, you know, it's only 10,000 people, but, uh, for like, semi-friends against Munster, that's, it's a racket that gets made, and it's a great atmosphere. Um, But, you know, the, yeah, the game's against Zebra or the Dragons, when the rain's coming in sideways, um, and it's a, Friday night, half seven, you know, maybe a new film's coming out, or it's Valentine's Day. You're not going to get people there. It's um, Yeah. it's a bit of a yeah. false uh, false numbers coming yeah, out. Yeah,
0: it was interesting because it was a uh, not it was, I can't, it was uh, Ian Milne was interviewed somewhere. I'm trying to figure out where it was. I think it was at, I thought it was Offside Line, but it might have been the Scotsman. And he was saying that he'd done a sort of back of a beer calculation, and he reckoned. That it was uh, here we are third of march at scotsman that that in terms of Scotland's player numbers they're massively inflated by the s i u because they include. i think they include everyone including like kids and women um but actually he was saying in terms of actual- adults playing, if you look at the number of games that that actually happen um at a weekend there's four thousand to four and a half thousand adult male players in Scotland which is only about a thousand more people than listen to this podcast (laughs) on a monthly basis. Really? Yeah, per episode on a monthly basis. On over 30 days, we get about 30,000 downloads. So there's only a thousand more people in Scotland playing rugby every weekend as an adult that listen to this podcast. (laughs) From from a comparison point of view, that's a small number. And, uh, you know, like you said, in terms of the opportunity to whether I don't, I'm not sure the SIU are doing enough to... I, I agree with you. I don't think the SIU are, are opening it up enough and doing enough to promote it outside of the traditional heartlands and the traditional um, institutions that support it. Um, and like you said, so, so if, if somebody has that opinion of Scottish rugby, that is a failing of Scottish rugby to explain what they're trying to do to Scottish people, I suppose.
1: No, so, I mean There's so many other sports options now, like um, you know Scotland's, like you know down the borders it I mean that's like proper rugby country. Um, but,
0: but even then, but even then you're more likely. I would say, in my experience, you're more likely to see a kid down Galashiels High Street in a Barcelona top than you would be in a Galashiels rugby top.
1: Yeah, I suppose because the um, mass proliferation of football content and. Um, even stuff like, you know, all the new stuff like uh, MMA coming in. Um, you know, people can... You're, you're probably e- easier to find an MMA gym than somebody to play rugby in Glasgow nowadays. You know what I mean? You know, it's it, it'd be so easy to just go to one. I mean, like, moons ago, when I actually bothered to go to a gym, um, I went and did a couple of kickboxing classes. You know, but it was because it's easier to do that than try and find enough people to go and go rugby training or get enough people to like get a good rugby training session going yeah. on. Um, you know, this is this is what they, they I think they need to try and focus on rather than chasing CVC money or um, you know, uh, League of Nations <laughs> to try yeah. and get this at least $5 billion implement. And if or well, Rugby are going to get this $5 billion investment from ever wants this how's that going to be split
0: yeah it was interesting because it was they were talking about um, this was kind of my hands in the rock and I, again it's the same article but I can't find it now is that email was talking about that they'd, they'd merged um, Terriot and another club in Scotland um, had sort of merged the second team and the idea was just to try and make sure that their second teams were playing on a regular basis and trying to make create games but they had too many substitutes and they were fighting forish, and it. I don't. Uh, I, I think. I think below uh, that first that first team level, you, you know that that. I understand. Just get people playing. Just get people playing. That's it. Like you said, Rory. You get people playing. If if you've got too many subs, then you know, lend the other team your players, and just just have a game. It doesn't have to be competitive. And this, I mean, it doesn't have to be competitive games. It can just just get people playing the game. And it's fine, you know, at the top tier and the first teams will want to play competitive fixtures and play in cups and shields and leagues. But there are other people that just want to go along and play a game of rugby at a weekend and that'd be it. So, yeah. Um, that went down a very dark hole, didn't it, for a vish?
1: I'm, I'm really sorry. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've just like lowered well, lower the tone, just darkened
0: the tone. It's darkened the tone. I was Yeah. Um, Rory, what, what was your uh, hands but... in the ruck this week?
1: Uh nothing nothing R- R- Rory's, too... just Rory's just killed himself. Yeah <laughs> I, I I fell
2: asleep there. I don't know what you guys were talking about. Um, yeah, no, My Hands in a Ruck was the um the RFU's choice of England Wonder Try to tweet uh to build to hype the Calcutta Cup this week where they uh, clearly trolling picked or either that or the guy who's running their social media account doesn't know the the laws of rugby. Um where they picked uh, an an example of a Johnny Wilkinson try where his foot was clearly in touch yeah. but unfortunately this was back in the days before the TMO was allowed to intervene with I, that sort of thing. No no no
1: but this was this 20 or was it? No the t- I even remember Brian Moore going off he's not about this He's like oh, his foot's clearly in touch. Yeah. That's not a try.
0: Was I um, 20, 20, 20,
1: I don't know. Har- Harry Ellis was on the pitch, and I think it was Johnny Wilkinson. Well, no, was I very
0: yeah. much enjoyed 30. Jerry. Very much enjoyed Kelly Brown's reply to that tweet, which just said, um, a "Absolutely shocking decision that that try was allowed. If it wasn't for the other thirty-five points England scored on that day, we would have given <laughs> them a good run for their money." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, I think my other hands in the ruck this week was Eddie Jones, um, and his imagined uh, being spat on.
1: I'm yeah, And, and
0: grabbed by the neck. in the thr- neck
1: and being fearful fear fearful for his life.
0: What I will say is and I've done a bit of digging around this. Now I in no way condoning the behaviour of the group of lads. The the three three lads accepted a caution and somebody else took it to the other lad said, No, I'm going to court over this and charges were dropped. So I think it was a bit of a trial by social media. I'm not saying they should have um, hustled him or bustled him in the way that they did or shouted at him in the way that they did, but it was... I, I can't imagine that the police would have bothered with something like that for anybody else. Um, I, it's a massive... I, he, you know, he's lost the mind games without Scotland even attempting to play mind games.
1: He's a pound shop, Alex Ferguson.
0: Yes, and on that note... That's what
1: I've always said
0: and on that note, because we've been going on for a long time tonight, um, we have a bit. We? we have. We've gone on, on and on and on. If you're still listening, thanks for staying with us. Um, <laughs> maybe you've listened to this in three sittings. So well done. You're probably listening to this <laughs> right up to It'll the kickoff. you day um work, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, that, so
1: the game's probably over by now. So we've
0: probably lost. So <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it from us this week. Uh, we will be back. I think on um, now i've got the builders in as i said i've been i've been uh, bantering with the lads all week um i may we may we are most likely to be back on monday uh, but if you watch social media channels we will tell you when we are back properly but for now it is goodbye from me and goodbye from rory and ian goodbye good night